Amen. It's a good day to be alive, isn't it? I want to welcome all of you to the house of God today. No other place I'd rather be on a Sunday morning. And those of you watching online, we want to welcome you into the house of the Lord today and thank you for being faithful as well in uh, joining with us. I'd like for you to open your Bibles today, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. And while you're turning there, I uh, want to ask you a question this. Have you ever been driving your vehicle and you hit a really deep pothole? And then you start to notice that afterwards your car starts pulling to one direction and it doesn't drive straight anymore? You ever have that? What that's called is you're now out of alignment. That pothole created a problem in your vehicle, and uh, or maybe you have uh, started noticing that when you speed up now to highway speeds, uh, you get this vibration or this little shimmy going on, and you're uh, noticing that there's got to be something wrong. Well, what happens there is your wheels or a wheel is out of balance. And those little weights they put on the outside and on the inside of that wheel help make sure that wheel is balanced or your front end is aligned. Now, we've been speaking about men of the kingdom, and we've been talking specifically to men. Of course, ladies, all of you can also receive something from all of this. But there are details that God gives to men, and that's what we're dealing with first of all is men of the kingdom, then we're going to look at women of the kingdom. And uh, today, one of the struggles that men have is an alignment problem. The other struggle they have is a balance problem. Not unlike what happens as we're driving the car, as I mentioned, and you hit a pothole. How many of you have hit some potholes in life? And it's kind of knocked your suspension out of line and out of balance. And if you are out of balance as a man and you are not aligned properly, you will discover that things are shaky, wobbly. In your family, things are shaky with your children. Things are shaky at your work. But you're still trying to get to where you're trying to go. But things are wearing out on the way to your destination. Who can say amen to that? And we're seeing it all over our nation today. And one of the key verses that you need to know as a man, say as a man, is found in 1 Corinthians 11.3, and specifically as a husband. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians eleven three. 3, but I want you to understand. Everybody say this, God wants me to understand. Anytime you see this in the Bible, you need to stop and really pay attention because it's like a precursor to something important. And so Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, I want you to understand. This is what I want you to understand. Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of a woman. And God is the head of Christ. In other words, there is an alignment of how life is supposed to work. God the Father is over Christ. Christ is over every Christian man. A man is over a woman. Not all women. Notice that? The man is the head of a woman. He says there is an alignment and a balance. And when Jesus was on earth, he, the Bible says in Philippians 2, emptied himself of his right 
to do what he did on earth as the Son of God, he did it as the Son of Man. In fact, you will notice when he refers to himself, that's how he refers to himself, the Son of Man. That was his favorite. Literally, when he would talk about who he was, it was Son of Man. Favorite phrase to come out of his mouth. Wasn't Son of God although he was, but he gave up his right to perform the miracles he performed he did as a man in power with the Holy Spirit. What, and, and what's so important about that, why that is such an important thing, and why you hear me talk about that a lot, is that if Jesus did not do that, we would not have an example. Because our example in the garden named Adam messed up when he was silent when Satan was tempting his wife. And according to the alignment, he was out of alignment because he was not over his wife. He did not step in and say, oh, wait, wait, Eve, this is an enemy, and he is trying to deceive you, hon. We need to take action and get this guy out of here. He was quiet. Because the Bible says he was with her, and she gave him of the fruit, and he ate. She was deceived. He did it willingly. And so... When Jesus was on earth, he aligns himself underneath God. Every Christian man, every kingdom man is to do unto Jesus what Jesus did unto God. A man uh, now is, we are called to align ourselves under Jesus. Then the woman that God gave you to be a helpmate unto you is to align herself under you. According to the Word of God. And when you lose alignment, and when you lose the God-ordained balance that He designed, you lose His covering. It's like you go out into a storm with, with an umbrella. That's God over you. How many of you know that's helpful? It's protection. Or even in Arizona, you people walk around with an umbrella that the sun can be an enemy. <laughs> Here, amen? People in cold country are going, man, I need that enemy in my land. But that is why God uses the word head. That's why, why the word head, it has to do with governance, with guidance, with covering, with responsibility. That's what it means to be the head. And God took responsibility for Jesus, his father. He was his father. Jesus took responsibility for all men, all men who will believe in him. And a man is supposed to take responsibility for the woman that God gives him in marriage. I have to say that in 2022. In marriage, and that is what, is being, what being ahead means. And, and you, the Bible says as a man, in that marriage are the leader. You are, and what that does is that means you're the responsible party in the relationship under God. But if a woman is following you and you are out of alignment from Christ or you are out of balance with God, then not only are you messed up, but she's messed up for following you. Because you are out of balance and you are out of alignment. And I want to say this, Jesus was never out of alignment with God. He was always in perfect step. He talked to him every day. He met with him. Sometimes he did it before breakfast. Sometimes he did it late at night. Sometimes a great while before it was day. And he only did, the Bible says, what he saw the Father do. He only said what the Father said. And so he was in perfect alignment. He never veered to the right or to the left. He wasn't shaky in his walk with the Father. So the question I have is, what does a life in alignment look like? Well, I have good news for you because the Bible shows us exactly what that looks like. In Psalm 128, I want you to notice verses 1 through 4, and 
while you turn there, I just want you to know something. As we read this, this is specifically spoken to men. That doesn't mean the woman cannot get something out of it. How many of you know that there are parts of the Bible God spoke specifically to the Jews? Amen? And we get into trouble if we try to make the church what is for the Jews, especially when it re- refers to uh, prophecy. Now, in Psalm 128, I want to read verses 1 through 4. And, uh, in fact, I want to just read all. I think I've only got one through four up there, but I want to read this. It's only six verses long. It says this, Psalm 128, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. How do we know He's speaking to a man? Look at verse 3. And your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord will bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel." Now, this chapter is not very long. It's only six verses long, but it covers four major areas of life. Area number one is your personal life. In verses one and two, it says, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and you know how important that is as we've looked through the relationship of the kingdom man and God, not just power God, but relationship God. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in His ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. I want you to first of all notice this. He pronounces a blessing on men who will fear God. Men who will show God reverence. Revere Him and honor Him. And if you will do that, not only will you be blessed, but so will your wife and so will your kids because the blessing is wanting. God, God said from what we just read in 1 Corinthians 11, he's the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of a woman. That is the way God designed it. Now, what's happened in 2022, you say something like that. If you do not have the word of God to back you up, Even if you do sometimes, you get called a chauvinist. You get called misogynistic. God is not a misogynist, and God is not chauvinist. When God made man, I told you this in the Bible, he said it's not good for him to be alone. Every other creature had male and female, except man. And I told you, ladies, and I want to just say this, you are very, you are unlike anything created. Man was created much the same as the animals as God took them out of the earth, but you were taken out of man. You were made like nothing else. In fact, the Bible says you weren't necessarily created, you were fashioned. And I like to say this, that's why ladies and fashion have gone together ever since. God performed the first surgery, caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, took one of his ribs, created out of him a woman, but he let Adam name her. And Adam said, this shall be called woman because she's come from man. So I want you to notice that not only is God, that the blessing comes down, the way it comes down, it's kind of like from, from, from the head down, 
I want you to also know that the word blessed here, let's look at that again in verse 1. It says how blessed is everyone. That is the Hebrew word esher, E-H-S-H-E-R, and it means happy. Happy is the man, or happiness, the blessing of God is experiencing, enjoying, and extending the goodness of God in your life, and what happens is, is it will make you happy, and every else, everyone else around you will have the opportunity to join in on that happiness, and if you are not happy, what's happening is you're letting happenings dictate happiness. Yet when what God is wanting to do, he's wanting to bless you, and if you will allow that blessing to come upon you, it will come upon you once you fear him. Now, it is to have God's goodness to you so that it works through you. Are you with me today? Do you want to know a kingdom secret? Whatever you want God to do to you, Tell him how you will use it through you. Because listen, when he sees that you're fixing to extend what he's fixing to give you to others and not just want to keep it to yourself, he's even more interested in giving it to you. Freely you have received, Jesus said, freely give. Because it's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, amen? Amen. I mean, when you receive and you also give, that makes you a conduit, not a cul-de-sac. Amen? There's enough cul-de-sacs in the world. Amen? There's enough cul-de-sac men in the world. So God wants to bless you, and God will bless, but the criteria is right there. Fearing God. Everybody say, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. That, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. Look at Proverbs 1.7. And I want you to notice, this is the first chapter that Solomon begins to write. And right out of the box, he gets to the perfect number. We actually, men actually made the number. We're the ones that put the chapters and verses in there. But literally, verse 7 is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. But the fear of the Lord, if that's the beginning of knowledge, knowledge flows, wisdom flows out of knowledge. The question is, what does it mean to fear God? Well, it means you revere Him, you honor Him, you follow Him, you serve Him more than you revere, honor, follow, and serve anyone else, including yourself. Solomon says this, look in in Ecclesiastes 12, and I figure we probably ought to just learn from the wisest man that ever lived. He's the one that said, Lord, what I want more than anything is, I I don't even know how to go, go in and come out. I need wisdom. And God said, because you didn't ask for long life and you didn't ask for riches, I'm going to give you what you prayed for. Now notice this. Here is Solomon's conclusion to the book of Ecclesiastes. This is after he's lived life a long time. This is after he's messed up. Uh, And he says in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, he says something about fearing God that I want you to see. He's the one that said that fear of the Lord was the beginning of knowledge. Now, notice this. He says, the conclusion. When all has been heard is fear God. The wisest man to ever live said the conclusion. After you talk about everything there is to talk about is fear God. And keep his commandments. Notice this, because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it's good or whether it's evil. So men, fearing God is the foundational principle of God working in your life. Look at the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 6, 
I want you to see this. It says that God, He, will be the stability of your times. We need to hear this in 2022. It didn't say the government. didn't say the Democratic Party. didn't say the Republican Party. didn't say the Independent Party. didn't say the Green Party. It said He will be the stability of your times. A wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is His treasure. Isaiah 33, 6 says, it is your treasure, and he will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital E, that relationship God. Listen, church, if you will grab a hold of this, the fear of God will open up God's treasures for you. It it is like the master key that will get you into God's treasure house. It will get you into his treasure room. Now, there are two concepts of fear that I want to talk about here real quick because they are both contained within the phrase, the fear of God. One is to dread or to be in terror of. Well, I just want you to know right now, whenever a man saw an angel that came down from the throne of God and had glory emanating from him, that man hit the deck every single time. He was afraid. Daniel said he was sick. He was literally physically ill after his time with that angel. If an angel causes that kind of fear, can you imagine when you see God? Do you know that's why the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You will hit the deck. And that's a lot of times what happens in revivals. Why do people fall out under the power of God? They can't stand up. It's the glory of God. It's the weight of God. They're in the presence of God. We find that when they dedicated the temple. They couldn't stand up. The priests could not even stand in order to minister because the glory of God. That word glory in the Hebrew is the word kabod. Have you ever heard of Ichabod, the glory has departed? Kabod, the kabod of God is his glory. It's his weight. And that's literally what that word means, the weightiness of God. And when you see God in the light of the way the world is, you will fall at his feet. So there is that element of dread and fear and to be in terror of, but there is a second word to that, and that it means to reverence, to awe, and to hold in high esteem. Now here's what I want to give to you today is when those two are married together, when those two concepts of the word fear are married together, that is the biblical concept of fearing God. It means you take God seriously. Now, this this is not the same, but it's similar. How many of you had a fear of your father? Some of it was unhealthy, possibly, but others of it was healthy. It was kind of like mom could say something. But when dad said something, I can hear my daughter on the front row laughing. But when dad said something, it was like stood to attention. That's the way it is with God. Do you ever remember that? E.F. Hutton commercial. Anybody remember this? E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton was supposed to be a stockbroker, and whatever E.F. Hutton says, you know, if E.F. Hutton speaks, you want to listen. And every time I'd see that commercial, I'd think, man, whenever God speaks, you better listen. Hey, you want to hear a secret? Whenever God speaks, listen. So when the two of those words are married together, that is the biblical concept of fearing God. You take God seriously. It's it's easy to see today when people don't fear God, isn't it? You, You can see it because you can easily tell when people are not taking God seriously. We live in a day when God 
is not taken seriously. Some people kind of use them like a gas station. When, when they're running on empty, they pull in because they need him to fill them up. But, but then they go on about their business until they hit empty again. He's kind of like a spare tire. You know, he's there in the trunk. He's there in case you need him. But if you don't need him, let him keep, you know, just, Lord, you just stay in the trunk till it's time I call on you. Hello? Y'all hearing what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying? A lot of people live that way. They don't talk to God until they're in trials. I see this at times as a pastor of people. You won't see someone for months on, on end. And then when they need a fill-up, they show up. God wants to be taken seriously. He does not want to be taken casually. Am I speaking truth? See, did you, did you know that God is serious about sin? D- did you know that it was sin that put his son on the cross? He's not casual about it. He's not winking at it. Because sin is what put his perfect son on the cross for you. And he died where we should have died. The wages of our sin is death, and he took it. And all we have to do, church, listen, salvation is so simple. All we have to do is believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord and Savior, and we will have forgiveness of sin and life eternal. But that's not just a one-time thing. The confession of that and the belief of that is the beginning of that. To fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We, we begin to have knowledge, but how many of you know you don't know everything yet? How many of you are still learning? How many of you in, in discipleship, you're still learning about the end times? We've read the Bible for so many years. That's why, because we don't get it all in one time. So, you know, many people today, they go to church. Many men today, they reference God. But God is not taken seriously. Let me illustrate this. I was listening to Pastor Tony Evans, which a lot of this information uh, comes from a study he did. And he shared the story of his son. And I love this story. He, his son was 11 years old, and he came up to, to Pastor Tony. And he said to him, hey, I want to show you how I can dunk a basketball. And so Tony said, well, okay. And so he followed his son over to the gym, and his son grabs a basketball, and he dribbles a couple times, and he goes up to the basket and jumps and two-handed dunked the basketball. Impressive. The only problem was his son had gone in the night before and got the janitor to lower the goal. A 10-foot goal became a 6-foot goal, and he dunked it. In other words, he lowered the standard, and he reached the lower standard. And then he thought, I'm dunking the ball, Dad. And Tony said, you know what, that's okay, but, but uh, we don't want to bring the standard down to you. We want to bring you up to the standard. And when you can dunk that ball without changing the rules, then you did something. And that's what God is saying today. When you can dunk the ball without changing the rules, then you've done something. You see, well, what this generation of people have done with God is they have lowered the definition of God. Lowered the definition of sin. And then because they meet that definition, come on church, They think they're okay. But you know what? The Bible says God's not winking at that. 
To fear the Lord, to take God seriously, means to relate to Him on His standard rather than making Him come down to our standard. You see, our text today, first, uh, Psalm 128, verse 1, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in His way. Look at that. How do I know I'm fearing the Lord? You're walking in His ways. You're not walking in your ways. So what I'm saying to you is he is talking to men here, and in many cities across the country, there are highways that loop around the city, right? We got three of them. We call them loops. The loops in the cities are on the margins of the city. They're on the outside. They surround the outskirts of the city. We have the 101, the 202, and the 303, amen? And they are close enough to give you access, but they're far enough Far enough out that you don't have to deal with downtown traffic. And see, what many men today have is they have God on the loop. Close enough to look respectable, far enough not to be bothered with. They want him in the vicinity, they just don't want him taken over. And that is why we're not hearing from him, that's why we're not seeing him, and that's why we're not experiencing him. And within this treasure chest that comes from the fear of God, as Isaiah 33, 6 talks about, we are not experiencing those treasures because the fear of God is missing. And it starts with the men. Have you ever been driving down the highway, and all of a sudden... A highway patrolman enters the highway through the on-ramp. Whenever that happens, watch how people adjust their driving, including you. It changes the direction of their right foot almost instantaneously. I mean, that, that, that foot that's pushing down on the accelerator comes off that accelerator, and, man, it hits that left toward that brake. Amen? Can I get an amen? Do I have a witness? And my question is this. Do you know why they made that change? Because they were in the presence of authority, and they were guilty. Their eyes now keep looking at that speedometer, which they have been literally forgetting about. And now they're seeing how fast they're going. They got a gauge on their driving. Now, they they could have cared less a minute ago, but now they care with everything in them because they recognize they are in the presence of the enforcer of the law. And once they recognize they're in his presence and he was in their presence... And they were in each other's presence. They adjusted what they were doing to what they were supposed to be doing. And all the guilty in the room said, hallelujah. And you know what? They will not pass him either. I've noticed this. They, won't pa- they wouldn't dare pass him. Why? Because they're affected by his presence. Now, what happens when he exits the highway five miles down the road? Bring hello. Cop's gone. Guess what happens to that right foot? Everybody goes back to speed in life as usual. You know why? They no longer have to take him seriously. Because he's no longer around. But Unlike that highway patrolman, God is always riding beside you. Better than that, living within you. You see, when you, t- when you decide to take God seriously, I've used this illustration before, it's kind of like being a chicken or being a pig. When you decide to take God seriously, you will begin to see him unfold his presence and his blessings in your life that he has destined for you. But God wants all of you, not just some of you. 
It's like the farmer with the chicken and the pig, and the chicken gets this great idea and says, hey, pig, we, I want to give the farmer, I want to give him an a egg and bacon breakfast. How's that sound to you? The pig says, man, no. He said, well, why not? He says, because for you, it's a contribution. For me, it's total commitment. For the pig, it's a sacrifice. Well, it seems like I've read in the Bible somewhere where we're told to be a living sacrifice, not a living contribution. You see, for the pig, it's a sacrifice. It's just part of the chicken, but it's all of the pig. You don't get bacon without killing that pig. Can I tell you today, God is not looking for an egg. God wants pork chops. He wants pork loin. He wants bacon. He wants sausage. He wants the whole thing. He wants the total commitment of a man so that through the man and in the man, he can express his will. You say, well, I don't don't know if I totally understand commitment. Let me give it to you another way. Most men understand what commitment is. Let me explain it to you in the uh, analogy of an NFL football game that's going to be played today. Okay? I heard an NFL game described this way this week. I'm quoting. There is a one-hour game... That has been set, there's one hour that has been set aside to play the actual game of football. There are four 15 minute quarters. However, within that one hour game, there is actually only 17 minutes of real action when you factor in the timeouts, the penalties, and all the other things that go with it. In fact, you can watch a game. In fact, this is the way I've been watching some college football lately. I can see the whole game in a 12 minute YouTube video. This shows me everything that I would have loved to see in the game, but I did not have to spend all the time watching it. There is only 17 minutes of real action in an NFL game when you factor in all of those things, but the actual content and the execution of play, there's only 17 minutes in that one-hour game, approximately 17 minutes. Now, that one-hour game has been turned into a three-hour experience So 17 minutes of actual action surrounding a one-hour game that you have to sit three hours to watch. Now, if you go to the game, you have to factor in enough time to work through the traffic, coming to the game, going from the game. So now you have spent seven hours for 17 minutes of a one-hour game that's been a three-hour experience. And on your way home, you turn on the radio to listen to them tell you about the game you just saw. And when you get home, you turn on the TV and you watch SportsCenter or you watch NFL Network to watch the reruns of something that you just took seven hours of your day to be committed to. And then all through the week, you will watch Sports Talk to listen to them discuss the upcoming game In other words, you know what commitment looks like. But let me ask you this. What has your team done for you lately? Now let me ask you this. What has God done for you lately? Who deserves more time? I heard it said this way, that many Christians pray maybe five minutes a day. And they spend a lot of their time listening to news or watching this or watching that and watching, and all those other things are more real to them than God because that's what they gave their time to. Are you with me what I'm saying on this church? Notice again, What God is asking for. The fear of the Lord. Full commitment. That's what full commitment means. 
is to fear the world. Do you know we're told this in Romans chapter 12? Maybe some of you will recognize this. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is your reasonable service of worship. It's only reasonable that you would give that to God. So the world... The Re- Romans 12, one, you still, you still okay with me today? The world is an organized system headed by Satan that leaves God out. That is the world. It is a system that has one goal, and that is to keep God out. Out of the discussion, out of the equation. It, it, listen, Satan does not mind you going to church on Sunday. As long as God has nothing to do with Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. He will give you your one hour on Sunday. He'll give you your time in church just as long as it doesn't carry over to you fearing God and taking Him seriously in every dimension of your life. Notice again Psalm 128 verse 1, what God says to know you fear God, how you know you are fearing God is when you walk in His ways. You fear God, church, with your feet. You don't fear Him with your words only. It's not just lip service, it's feet service. It's not just talking it, it's also you walking it. See, you fear God with your walk. You fear God with the steps you take, the movements you make that demonstrate that you are serious about fearing God. And it's time someone stand up and say that. You see, when you get up in the morning, do you reach for the paper or do you reach for your Bible? When you start your day, do you start it with Facebook or do you start it with God's book? Do you reach for the remote or do you reach for the heavens? Do you start your day in prayer or do you start your day full of care? You see, it is all about what we are committed to. Now look at verse 2. What are the blessings of fearing God? And I'm going to close with this. He gives you three. When you eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. It says, number one, you shall eat of the fruit of your hands. That's your fortune. If you will fear the Lord, God will make sure he gets it to you. You see, you shall eat the fruit of your hands. That's your productivity, the fruit of your hands, what you got from your work. Number two, you will be happy. Those are your feelings. The way you feel, feelings of happiness, you will be happy, and it will be well with you. That's your future. Right there, you've got your fortune, your feelings, and your future. All those three things men are seeking after right now. But if they'll fear the Lord, God said, I will bless you with these blessings. Amen? If, if you will let God be God, if you will fear God and let Him run things because He is the head... And you come under him with your walk and not just your talk. He will look after your fortune. He will look after your feelings. And he will look after your future. Now, what better person? Listen to me today, church. What better person to go ahead of you in the job market? To go ahead of you in your emotional well-being? Or to go ahead of you to your tomorrow and set it up for you while you're still in today? Then God. So the challenge before us today is to walk in His way so that He can bless you. To walk in His way so that we can walk in His will. But it's all about alignment. If you are out of alignment, that which is following you will be out of alignment too. If you as a man are out of alignment, your wife will be out of alignment. If your wife is out of alignment, your family will be out of alignment. If your family's out of alignment and you come to church, the church will be out of alignment. If the church is out of alignment and goes into the city, the city will be out of alignment. If the city goes into the, the state, the state will be out of alignment. If we walk into the, out of the state into the nation, the nation will be out of alignment.
And guess what? It starts with the man. Just like creation. So I get to preach all this stuff to me first. Let me share one last story. This is also a story that Tony shared, and I've got, there's, there's, there's so much to this. He shared that when he was going to seminary to study becoming a pastor, he said that he took a job working at a trailways bus station. And he said, I worked the dead man's shift, which was between 11 o'clock at night to 7 o'clock in the morning. He would go to his classes during the day, and he worked three or four nights that, that dead man's shift. And he said, when I got to work, I noticed that these workers, they, they had this scheme. And he said, they came up to me with this scheme. And what it was is he said, they would, uh, when you would punch out for lunch... You would get that hour for lunch, but they said, you don't punch back in. Somebody else will punch you back in. And after that, after that hour, they punch you back in. And what you get to go do is you get to go sleep for three hours. And then you will do that for the next guy so he can go sleep for three hours. So everybody had a night where, where they could sleep for three hours, he said, but they would get paid for sleeping because they had been punched back in by someone else. And so when Tony went to work there, the, the employees told him what, how his day was going to be and how things worked around there. He said, you know what, I can't do that. I'm a Christian, and that's stealing, and I, I just can't do that. Well, now... You know, Tony's the most uh, popular man on the job now because everybody's doing it, okay? So here's Tony. He's not part of the scheme and not part of the popular group. So they, the, the way they get back at him is that when, when it came time to unload the trailway bus, they would not show up. And they would leave Tony there by himself to unload the buses so he would be out there a lot of times by himself, single-handedly, unloading the buses because he's not part of the world around him that is leaving God out of the equation. And it's very frustrating, Tony said. It was frustrating. However, he said, the reason I did it is because I was working ultimately for the Lord. Amen? So he said, two months into this, this regime, you know, Tony gets this call from the head office to come to the office. And he goes to the office and he says, I'm a little nervous as to why I've been called in. And what happens is the head of trailways in that area says to him, for the last month, we have sent a man down to observe the work habits of the men on the dead man shift. We are very much aware of the scheme of punching people in and letting them sleep while they're getting paid. But we are also very much aware that you have not been part of that scheme. Therefore, from here on out, you, after two months of work, are the new supervisor over all the men on the dead man shift. Now, church, let me tell you something. It would have been so easy. Everybody say easy to join in, to conform to the world instead of being transformed by the renewing of his mind. He could have started his ministry as a cheater. He was alone. It would have been easy to join in with the rest of the world and lie and cheat and steal, and he was lonely. 
not getting in, but he feared God. He stood his ground, and he watched God elevate him over all the others because God himself was watching. And he knew God was present with him, and he was present with God. And when Tony made the choice and the decision to choose God, it got God's attention. And it got the reward of God. If you will put God first, you will find Him working on your behalf. You'll see Him blessing you in ways that you never even imagined. Can I get an amen on that? Because your fear of God will be rewarded by God and His treasures will begin to be poured out to you. That's the man in alignment. Bow with me. Father, I pray that over all this room and over the airwaves, that this message would go out. It would penetrate our heart. And wherever there needs to be change, individually, corporately, nationally, let it begin. Start it in the men. And Lord, let it flow from there, we pray. Raise up kingdom men today. Lord, I pray, speak to their hearts. Change their lives. So Lord, we will be a godly nation, full of men of character who fear you. And if you agree with that, would you say a big amen? Amen. There's more coming next week. This is some good stuff. And uh, this is just God showing us how to be a guy, a man of God, a kingdom man. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Teach me some man.